Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this audio from 2017, the Texas Senate debates the Convention of States resolution. Texas would go on to become the 11th state to pass our Article 5 application calling for a convention to propose term limits, fiscal restraints, and reducing the scope and power of the federal government. Thank you, Mr. President. Members, earlier this afternoon, we just addressed Senate Joint Resolution 38, which repealed all previous calls for an Article 5 Convention of States, with the exception of the call for a balanced budget amendment. Additionally, we just dealt with Senate Bill 21, the Faithful Delegate Bill, relating to the actions following a potential undertaking of an Article 5 Convention of States. I now lay out Senate Joint Resolution 2, which is the application to Congress to call for a Convention of States as outlined in Article 5 of the United States Constitution, doing so with the express and limited purpose of discussing federal fiscal restraints, checks on the power of the federal government, and enacting term limits for federal officials. Article 5 of our Constitution very clearly defines the authority of the states to assemble, propose constitutional amendments, and send those amendments back to the states for ratification, all without the permission of Congress. Since 2013, eight states have passed resolutions like SJR 2, stretching from Florida all the way to Alaska. As many as 16 other states have since passed such resolutions through their state house or senate and 44 states have filed resolutions for consideration. 34 states would need to pass a resolution like SGR 2 in order for a convention of states to be called and amendments to be discussed and sent back to the states, and a minimum of 38 states would have to vote favorably for any amendment to be ratified. Said differently, as few as just 13 states could refuse ratification of any proposed amendment. Members, I believe we're at the precipice of history as George Mason believed that someday a federal government would no longer have the interest of its states in mind. For years we have watched as the executive and judicial branches have usurped more and more power from the states, issuing dictates that become de facto law by either completely bypassing the legislative branch or acting upon issues that the federal government does not have the constitutional authority to act upon. To make matters worse, it is abundantly clear to me that the Congress is incapable of or unwilling to propose amendments that will limit its own power or that of the other branches to return our nation to the original spirit of federalism intended by our founders. Today the federal government treats the states as nothing more than subcontractors to implement federal will and its directives, and thus it is my firm belief that the only way we will save this republic and return ourselves to federalism is to go about the process of the states regaining control of the federal government that the states created. In my view, this is an issue that knows no political party. As I told you that the, the uh, simulation convention, all states and all parties were represented and must unite in an effort to legislate to structure, not to personality. It is the state's members that created the federal government and it is the states that must control it. Pending questions of the membership, Mr. President, I move suspension of the regular order business to take up and consider Senate Joint Resolution 2. Senator West, for what purpose? Uh, just uh, about 50, 50 to 60 questions. Senator Birdwell, are you ready for 50 or 60 questions from Barry White? <laughs> and they will be very good, too. Okay. Uh, I just hope he's ready for about 50 or 60 hours of answers. So, yes, Mr. President, we I know yield. that's right. We know that's as long as we have a few, as long as we have a few breaks in between, okay? Uh, Senator, as it relates to this, I want to make certain that we have this discussion. Um, states' rights and balance of power, checks and balance between executive, legislative, and uh, judicial branch of government. One of the areas that this constitutional convention would look into would be overriding Supreme Court decisions, correct? It could potentially discuss mechanisms by which the states could now decide their concurrence or non-concurrence with Supreme Court decisions. And the legislative branch of the states would make that decision 
concerning a judicial decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, right? The 50 states would have to do so potentially. That is a possibility. And uh, based on ex my notes, about two-thirds uh, two majority of the states would have to, could override a U.S. Supreme Court decision. That's one of the areas that you'd be looking at. Yes, sir, because, okay. go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, you, you, you've anticipated my next question. You can go ahead with the because. Go ahead. Because the Supreme Court of the United States has decided to abrogate for itself legislative powers. Let me give some examples. It was not a convention of states that changed the definition of marriage. It was not a convention of states that decided that life did not begin until after birth. It was not a convention of states that made other decisions. Does the court have a proper role and function? Yes. But I believe, particularly given the change that the 17th Amendment made, that changed the customer of the United States Senate, we now live under the consent of the appointed, not the consent of the governed. Okay, so you, you, you pointed out several areas where you think the Supreme Court overstepped their constitutional boundaries. Yes, sir. Um, do you believe that they overstepped their constitutional boundaries when they dealt with civil rights type issues? Let me give you an example, if I may, of what my concern is. In 1875, a Republican Congress passed the first desegregation law, later overturned by the court. In 1884, a Republican Congress passed its second desegregation law, which eventually led to Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896 that gave us separate but equal. In 1954, the Supreme Court gave us Brown versus Board of Education. That decision is hailed as a landmark civil rights decision. It is. And I agree with that. Here's what my example tells you, though. The people of the United States in 1875 were already passing desegregation laws to ensure that ancestors of your melanin were not going to be discriminated against. The people spoke through their representatives in 1875. But it was not until 1954 that the court caught up to the people. Your ancestors sat in desegregation for 75 years because the people spoke and the court ruled it unconstitutional. While Brown versus Board of Education is a landmark decision, what it really tells us is when you put legislating in the hands of the judicial branch, it will exacerbate and lengthen the What's the word I'm looking for, Senator? I want to be very careful, very deliberate here. It lengthened the amount of time that your ancestors were treated as second-class citizens. The court caught up to the American people 70 years later. That 70 years, your ancestors could have been equal partners from 1875. But you did not become equal partners till 1954 because we treated the Supreme Court as the supreme arbiter of the law. They have a proper role and function. But the people of this country are who we consent to, not the appointed. You would agree with me, sir, that under states' rights, one of the, one of the areas that we're looking at with this particular bill, with that the Constitutional Convention would get into would be states' rights also. You agree, right? And under states' rights, whether it was Democratic, actually it was a bunch of Democratic, Democratic 
legislatures that I had uh, a lot of um, black code laws, uh, Jim Crow laws, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, uh, that, that part of history is not uh, missed on me. So it was a lot of state legislatures that did that. And as a result of some of those uh, Supreme Court decisions, Brown versus Board of Education, and so on by the Supreme Court, is that I stand here today, uh, desegregation, uh, redistricting, things of that nature. And as I understand it, even though, yes, there were some bad decisions going against my people, there were some great decisions that came out that allowed me to stand here and have this debate with you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here. Oh, and, and I think and you agree I with agree, that. And I so agree with that. It was the Supreme Court. And so yeah. the question that I raise is, even though they're bad decisions, uh, there's one concerning, what's that, Senator Lucio? Uh, the ability of corporations to participate in giving money uh, as political contributions. I didn't agree with that one. But I mean, there, there's some I don't agree with, there's some I do agree with. But the question becomes one, is whether or not we should have a check and balance, if we're going to have a true check and balance in this country, whether or not having a three-fourths majority of states being able to overrule a Supreme Court decision. Uh, and I guess I'm, I'm just an old constructionist now, given that I've been practicing law these many years and been in the legislature and, and believe in that check and balance system, whether or not we need to have the legislature, three-fourths of the states, uh, kind of checking the decisions made by the U.S. Supreme Court, given that that is supposed to be the branch of government that kind of decides the arguments, decides the arguments as it relates to the interpretation of the law. May I profoundly disagree? Please. Of the 27 reasons listed in the Declaration of Independence, taxation without representation was number 17. There are 16 reasons listed before taxation without representation that deal with the functions of government. Seven of them are legislative, six of them are executive, and two are judicial. That directly correlates to Article I being the legislative branch has the most number of functions listed as why we separated from the Crown. Article II, the executive, has six reasons, the second most number, therefore equating to Article II of the U.S. Constitution. The judicial branch only had two reasons. Number and, eight, and what are those and number, reasons? Number eight. What are those nine. reasons? Would you what like if, me to pull them up? I don't have them. I mean, oh, you, you don't have to do that. But as I recall, and I, and I may be paraphrasing this, it was to interpret the law, right? It's supposed to be, and I think, over, just over, overarching, to be the final arbiter of disputes between the different branches of government. Now, the words final arbiter are nowhere in the U.S. Constitution. Well, they I, only no, appear no, no, in the Marbury versus Madison. And, and you're, you're, probably, you're right about that. I'm just, I'm just kind of saying that that's been my experience. The Supreme Court is supposed to be the court of last resort where decisions it is are finally made. It is the court okay. of last resort, that's exactly, that's but what it I'm is saying. not the last resort of the people. Well, okay, and, and again, that's for this body to take a look at and decide whether or not we want that court as it is currently situated in the Constitution without amendment to its Article Three powers to be the court of last resort as it relates to deciding issues that come before it, the weighty issues that come before it, or allow its opinions to ultimately second-guess as it's set out here by three-fourths vote of state legislators. That's the decision that we have to make based on what I'm reading here. Am, am I correct about that? I do not believe so because my choice would not be second guess. We live under the consent of the governed. If the people of the state of Texas or the people of the several states disagree with a Supreme Court decision, they ought to have the ability to rectify it. I cannot imagine that for the number of years from 1776 to 1787, the price in blood paid by our founders 
was to allow a country to be built in a way that would set itself up to simply be the Congress of the United States requesting permission from the courts and the court being the final arbiter. Are there decisions that I can agree with the court on? Absolutely. What we would simply be doing is saying the states now have a mechanism of recourse after the fact to either ratify or not ratify a Supreme Court decision. And I understand that's exactly what is being proposed. Yes, sir. But I think that obviously we need to have a discussion as to whether or not we think that is the best method of um, government in this, in this country and uh, the best method of defining exactly what the role of Article Three courts are, the legislature and the executive branch of government, or continuing the check and balance system that we have with some, maybe some refinements. As an example, you also note here uh, it would require a seven justice supermajority vote of the U.S. Supreme Court decision that invalidates a democratically enacted law. What does that mean? We have the three-fifths rule. In nominations, we have the two-thirds rule. In other places, as an example, to bring up legislation that is not a priority or de a, de a declared priority of the governor, it takes four-fifths of each of the members of each body to decide to take that up. In the U.S. Constitution, there are eight places where a supermajority is required. Article 5 tells us how we amend the Constitution, and nowhere is the judicial branch placed there. But it simply takes, to change the definition of marriage, to change the definition of life, a number of things. It only takes a simple majority of one judge being on the five side to change the very contract and the very nature of our federalist, our federal republic and federalism to make a major muscle movement to how all the states will function. So let me ask. So if we're going to say a constitutional amendment takes two-thirds of the Congress to either send it to us or two-thirds of the states to call for a convention, if the Supreme Court is going to be that final arbiter, if the Supreme Court is going to have, with every decision it makes, the authority of a constitutional convention, then they ought to have a supermajority requirement as well. So then if, 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 let me just make sure I understand this. So if a law, a democratically enacted law by a legislature is, is deemed to be unconstitutional based on some reason in the Constitution, you're saying that a supermajority of the court has to determine that that particular statute, democratically enacted, violates the Constitution? It would require to be treated as a constitutional amendment. No, what I'm, sa what I'm saying would have to be, because that's what the court does. Okay, no, I mean, maybe, I, maybe I didn't state the question right. Let me, sometimes I do get, I'm saying Senator, that based on- You are exceptional at what you do. Well, thank you very much. I'm thank the one much. that misunderstood. Well, okay, well, let me see, can I clear it up? Based on what I'm looking at, if a court determined that a democratically enacted statute violated the Constitution, it would take a vote of seven justices in order to sustain that violation. Is that correct? It would take a supermajority of the members of the court to sustain that violation. Yes, Senator. Okay. You know, Senator, it's just that I have a great deal of skepticism about this because of some of the old things that have happened in the past in terms of under, specifically on state rights. Uh, women, Latinos, African-Americans have all been subject to a lot of those state laws that were promulgated and that ultimately had to be struck down by a Supreme Court. Uh, under what you're proposing, if the Constitutional Convention comes up with some recommendations and they're actually um, voted on by three-fourths of the states, then if something is unconstitutional based on civil rights, uh, then it would take at least seven of the justices to make that determination, otherwise the statute would stand. And so if slavery was in existence right now, and, and your constitution was in existence right now, slavery, frankly, would probably still be in existence, because the reality is, is that I don't believe seven justices cited on many of the great 
constitutional decisions. And women would probably be um, of a similar fate, as well as, as well as Latinos also. <laughs> and so, again, the issue of states' rights has always troubled me. And I understand that there should be a good, a delicate balance between federal rights and also state. And, and don't get me wrong, there's some things that the federal government engages in as it relates to oversight or quote unquote working with its partners at the city that I don't agree with. But the question becomes what should be on that call and what shouldn't be on the call. And it gives me great concern about the history of states under Democratic control and Republican control that gives me that pain as it relates to why I'm going to have to vote against this particular SJR. Senator West, do you have my respect as you know? We've had a great conversation about it. I want you to understand something. I take this exceedingly seriously. And I know you do. And whether your melanin, my melanin, you will find no greater defender of your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If I just had to depend me. on you to do that, I'd be in great shape. But there are others that I worry about, not you. Well, I, I recognize that, and I appreciate having your confidence and your trust. I told Senator Watson, if we can get, and this was back in December when I first brought this issue to him, because uh, at the time I thought he was the caucus chair. I did not know Senator Rodriguez had been made the caucus chair, because I was seeking Democrat members' support, just like there were Democrats at the, the mock convention. I want to get back to federalism where the states are deciding the policies that are not in Article I, Section 8, and the necessary and proper clause of Article I, Section 8, where the states are making those decisions rather than being simply subcontractors to federal will. If eventually 31 Senator Watsons or 31 Senator Wests are making policy from your side of the aisle's perspective, as much as I might disagree with what that policy is, if we're back to federalism, I'll salute that flag and respect the decisions of the people of Texas because I lost. I just lost a battle on an amendment, but I saluted the flag and I'm moving out. It's, it's Senator. Uh, so yeah. I, I, please bear with me. Sure, no, this, no problem. Go ahead. I am trying to legislate to structure, not to what the policy is. 31 Royce Wests are on this floor making a decision that is constitutional in our federal document that belongs to the state, even if it's something I disagree with. I will assume and I will believe that I've achieved the end state I desire here. That's how much I respect Representative Republic. And I want you to understand that. And, and my response to you is this. The way we go about it, you are attempting to put in place a process to improve upon the Constitution of the United States of America, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Correct. And so from that vantage point, when we just finished Senate Bill 21, I asked a very pointed question. Should we not have representations of Democrats and Republicans as part of this particular process, if indeed what we're attempting to do is to create a new process? And the response was, whatever the will of the Senate is. So regardless, Senator, of whether this body is controlled by Democrats or Republicans, I believe that both, if this process goes forward, should be, both parties should be represented as part of the delegation in order to get the best ideas put forth as it relates to the issues that will be discussed, as opposed to having a slant one way or the other. And I believe but, I concurred with but you see, in well, that but comment. See, but, see, but see, here's the situation. The bill doesn't reflect that. It, you, and I think if the, we're the talking about SB 21, yeah, Senate Bill 21, yeah, it gives we, that future Senate the well, ability see, to make that but decision. I, you, you didn't want to prescribe it. 
I would say that the bill should prescribe that there should be Democrats and Republicans. And it, it could be a situation where if it's five that had to be appointed, whoever the party is in power, they, can, they could get, get the hard one. But they have Democrats and Republicans sitting at the table, coming up with ideas consistent with what these particular categories are. Right. That's not the case in this particular bill. So I'm concerned that if indeed we are attempting to have a bill that reflects a more perfect union, union, we're not doing that. We're continuing to polarize ourselves as it relates to issues that not only impact Texas, but this country also. I respect your opinion, Senator. I disagree with a portion of it because there were Democrats at our mock convention that are just as concerned for their states that are blue being micromanaged or overmanaged by the federal government. I might disagree with the gentleman from Rhode Island that was in my subcommittee work group on what the policy should be. What we agreed on is what level of government should be making the decision. Thank you for your uh, responses. Thank you, Senator West. Senator Rodriguez, for a purpose. To ask the author some questions. Do you yield? Do yes, you Mr. Yield, President, Senator? I yield, Senator Rodriguez. Thank, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Senator Birdwell, uh, just a few questions. Uh, not 50. Okay. No, not 50. And, <laughs> okay. and uh, well, for starters, if we had this bill passed through both the House and the Senate, signed by the governor, and there is a convention that In takes this case, place. the SJR is not required not, to be not, signed by the governor. Not by the governor, I'm sorry, going up to the, to the federal government. Yes, sir. Uh, and a convention is uh, convened to limit the powers of the federal government, as you say, in your resolution. Is that convention going to be a public convention? Is it going to be transparent? Does, does your resolution require that it be held in a public manner with transparency? It does not require it, but I believe it will be. When we did the simulation back in September, it was, uh, I'm, not, I'm not particularly good with today's modern technology. My iPhone is a Christmas tree with too many ornaments on it. <laughs> but it was, I think it's called live streaming. It yes. was the committees and then the entire floor and the operations and the observations. That, so it was done in the same spirit that C-SPAN covers the federal legislation or the federal um, Congress and other elements of national government. I believe it would absolutely be appropriate and desirable to have it made public. What I, I believe you're gonna have an amendment to do that, but I would disagree with the amendment because I need the resolution to be the same as the other eight states that have adopted it, as well as those that would consider it, because if we make a substantial change to the resolution, I believe if enough resolutions showed up substantively different, the Congress would be able to use that difference as a leverage point to not call the convention. So I intend to keep the SJR as it is with no amendments. But I assure you, well, if I'm there or anybody else there, we're going to do our best to make it available for folks to view. And in fact, it would frankly have to be, based upon SB 21, how would the Committee of Oversight be able to monitor it if it isn't made well, public? Well, but, but there are no guarantees, as you know, in this business. Right. And, and, and uh, as you know, the original Constitutional Convention uh, was held in secret. It wasn't public. Uh, the idea was that they were going to try to bring about some changes to the Articles of Confederation, and there was a lot of dispute back and forth. Those who supported the Articles of Confederation type of government, which gave more authority to the states, versus those who felt that the national government needed to be bolstered in order to address a lot of the pressing needs that the country faced at the time. So they decided that they were going to not just reform the Articles of Confederation, they decided they were going to rewrite the whole structure for the federal government and the states. And so that was the Constitutional Convention that resulted in our Constitution. 
And yet, that was done back in those days for those reasons that people were not comfortable in doing it in public, and they did it in secret. Now, th there is no guarantee. I, I appreciate what you're telling me that, that you're expecting, based on the simulation exercise that you all did, that this would be in public. And you feel that you expressed that it could be in C-SPAN, it could be aired widely. So I don't understand why we wouldn't insist. Uh, uh, you, you say, well, we can't place a requirement that it be done in public because then it'll vary from the other 34 states. And you're concerned that if, 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 no, if it varies even in the significant, in the important way of having public transparency here, that somehow then that will undo the desire to have the convention by the other states. If the I calls mean, can, are not can, uniform, I believe that... How can that override, if you excuse me, how can that override the interest of the public when we're going to have a bunch of legislators all of a sudden potentially rewriting the whole Constitution? I profoundly disagree with that. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, 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 we'll, that's the second question I was going to ask you, the, the one about the, the provision in... in uh, in the resolution that says that you want to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. That's very broad. And so I was going to ask you specifically, what do you have in mind there? In there are a couple of areas that we, uh, uh, that we looked at. In fact, Representative King and I, Phil King and I, were on uh, that particular subcommittee or that committee. One of the things we looked at was a constitutional amendment for germaneness that says any amendment to any bills, similar to what we have here, for germaneness. We also looked at, in fact, in Representative King's work group, returning by rewriting the Commerce Clause back to its original intent that the Congress has no jurisdiction over intrastate commerce. If you recall back in the 40s, out of a case out of Pennsylvania, yes. the Supreme Court said, well, because you decided to grow your own wheat, that affects interstate commerce, therefore the, the federal government can regulate it to true up back to the original interstate commerce clause. So those were the types of things that we looked at. Um, one subject rule, similar to what we have here, many of the state legislatures across the state have one subject bills so that you don't end up with Christmas trees with too many ornaments on it in a lot of the legislation that we get out of Washington, D.C. Well, th those, are, those are good examples, but would you agree that given this broad language to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government could extend to the, tenth, the, the, uh, the amendments to the Constitution. It could extend to almost 21 articles in the Constitution. I mean, you're leaving it so broad that while you have an interest in those specifics that you just mentioned, three examples, other people may want to mess with the Second Amendment, with the First Amendment. I, I can assure you that Senator will not Nelson's be a good thing to do if to I'm the at this convention. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's that broad. What's going to keep people from wanting to delve into all these other articles? And, and I, I, could, I don't want to take up the time reading all of them that are in here that could be affected by that language, but certainly the, the Bill of Rights uh, would be affected. And the question is, for all of us that are concerned about, I think Senator Hinojosa started this with his point of view on, on, on Senate Bill 21, you know, where does this end? People have all kinds of views on how the federal government functions, how the states function, and would want to, given the opportunity, all those different interests try to advocate for changes that they would like to see. And I think that's the Pandora's box that, that, uh, that potentially could be opened here. So uh, I, I, I disagree with you with all due respect. Uh, respect anything less, Senator Rodriguez. <laughs> I mean, where, where you're saying that we're trying to legislate through this resolution only through try to address structure and not policy, but I... No, personality. I, you legislate to structure, not to personality. Oh, I thought you said policy. Okay, well, the, you're saying the structure, and, and I submit to you that that structure 
given the delicate balance that was struck by the, by the founders of this country, is a, is a delicate balance that has served us well for well over 200 years here. And we've had the ups and downs, you know. We fought a whole civil war, shed the most blood, and you can relate to that. Absolutely. Uh, over the disputes between having a union and states' rights advocates separating from the union because they wanted to maintain slavery. Now, there are very strong feelings in this country right now. We are a divided country, as we all know, just looking at the news every single day, looking at the past elections all the way from 2000 forward. We've had pretty much close elections, right? Uh, both Democrat and Republican presidents elected by a divided uh, country. And there's much being discussed today about that. So given the strong feelings that are out there in this divided country, is this, you, you said that we are on the precipice uh, right now and, and that Mason, I think you quoted, uh, calls for acting as a result. Uh, I view precipice differently than you do. <laughs> I see this precipice that could have us, this country, totally uh, rendered asunder, some antiquated language, by a convention that has no limits on the amendments that they would make or the changes to the structure they would make. Because the language that you have there is to limit the power and the jurisdiction of the federal government. That is very broad. It encompasses literally the whole Constitution. And so I am concerned that if we don't put some boundaries to your resolution, then we are just opening up a, a Pandora's box, box of uh, problems for us. And so, so two, the two points, if we're going to have a convention, I think we all agree it ought to be public, it ought to be transparent, media ought to be allowed. I think we ought to C-SPAN, you, you quoted, and if that's the case, why don't we uh, accept an amendment that I will offer that would just say, if we're having this convention, we're going to have an open convention. Because my desire is to have all of the SJRs from all the states to be substantively the same, if not near identical. But there's nothing that Once says... Once we say it's okay to amend it, yeah. well, other states may make other amendments, so by the time you get to 34, you might have various other elements added to the call, and the Congress of the United States could leverage those differences to not call it at all, even if you, in the opinions of the states, there are 34 states that have enough in their resolution to say we ought to do it at least on this. I'm trying to seek uniformity so that the Congress of the United States has no alternative when 34 states arrive with this resolution, they got one choice. It, it, call the is, is there a rule, a guide, or some principle that says that if one of the states deviates in some manner from the language, that somehow that will torpedo the whole process? No, but it's one of those things I'm trying to prevent. All the other previous eight states have kept the resolution the same. If Texas does this, we'll be the ninth yeah. There, there may be another state out there right now that's about to beat us. Nebraska might, might beat us to the punch, depending on what the House does and how long they take. But the bottom line is, is that when those resolutions arrive in Washington, they are so nearly identical in their call, the Congress has no other option but to call the convention. They cannot use any substantive differences as an excuse to not call it. Well, I, I appreciate all the work. Obviously, you've demonstrated today you are very passionate about this issue, and you obviously are well-read in your history and well, you are the provisions of the Constitution. Uh, I would hope that you would reconsider, and I will be offering the amendment to have this as an open convention, public, uh, and also uh, an amendment to try to further define the, the uh, provisions in your resolution that would limit the power and jurisdiction. In fact, I would like to take that out uh, 
because I think it just, as I said, creates all kinds of problems. But in any event, thank you for uh, uh, listening to my questions, and I appreciate your work on this. Thank you, Senator Rodriguez. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Senator Birdwell moves suspension of the regular order business on SJR 2. Secretary, call the roll. Betancourt, Birdwell, Buckingham, Burton, Campbell, Creighton, Estes, Garcia, Hall, Hancock, Hinojosa, Huffines, Huffman, Hughes, Colcourse, Lucio, Menendez, Miles, Nelson, Nichols, Perry, Rodriguez, Schwartner, Sulliger, Taylor of Galveston, Taylor of Collin, Uresti, Watson, West, Whitmire, Zaffarini. There being 20 ayes and 11 nays, SJR 2, the rules are suspended. lays out the following resolution. The Secretary will read the resolution. SJR 2, applying to the Congress of the United States to call a convention under Article 5 of the United States Constitution. The following amendment by Senator Rodriguez. Secretary will read the amendment. For amendment number one by Rodriguez, amend SJR number two as follows. Senator Rodriguez, you're recognized on your amendment. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, members, uh, Senator Birdwell, as we were saying, the Constitutional Convention of 1787 met behind closed doors and under strict rules of secrecy. And the Convention of States would have the authority to do the same because as you acknowledge, there is nothing that speaks to this issue and it could end up uh, being a convention held in secrecy. Now, you've tried to address the runaway convention uh, issue or problem by providing for the recall of convention delegates that make quote-unquote unauthorized votes that we now, given uh, Senator Hughes' amendment, have criminalized uh, potentially. The only safety valve from a runaway convention, in my view, is public scrutiny. You have light shined on all of the deliberations, all of the debates, all of the proposals that come before the convention. But as you acknowledge, there is no requirement in SJR2 to call for a public forum. So the Convention of States could choose to meet behind closed doors. Uh, and we might not know, in fact, if our delegates exceeded their authority. If somebody doesn't want to complain about somebody that issued an unauthorized vote, nobody else would know. The public that would have a keen interest in this would not know. So it seems to me that for the resolution safety valve, valve provisions to be effective, your resolution must be amended to provide uh, for public discussion, public debate, transparency, monitoring of what's taking place. So, if passed, this amendment members would call for a public convention of states and provide that the resolution calling for a convention is in fact revoked unless the convention is public. We want to assure that in fact it will be. We don't want to leave it to chance. So I hope this amendment is something you'll give serious consideration. I regret that Senator Birdwell won't accept it, but I ask for your support, members. So I move for adoption, Mr. President. Birdwell, you're recognized on the amendment. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Senator Rodriguez, absolutely respect your intent. I cannot imagine that this uh, convention would happen behind closed doors. The simulation was made public, media was there. But for the fidelity of this resolution and the future states to ensure that the same resolution substantively arrives in Washington for the Congress to call the, uh, the convention. I respectfully move to table the amendment. Thank you, Mr. President.
Members, uh, Senator Birdwell has moved the table. Senator Rodriguez, you have the floor to close. Uh, members, I, I think we all can relate to having transparency as much as possible in our transactions in government. This is a major, major uh, effort to change the Constitution, to change the structure of our government, to tip the balance of power that has been so delicately framed by the founders of this Constitution from one government, the federal government, to the state government. The original intent was to provide a balance between the two, and this convention, if it's held, needs to be and should be held in public. Even though Senator Birdwell feels that it will be, there are no guarantees, and I don't know that that's a risk that we should take. So I move to, for, to adopt the, the, Members, uh, the amendment. Thank you, Senator Rodriguez. Members, the motion is to table the amendment. Secretary will call the roll. Battencourt, Birdwell, Buckingham, Burton, Campbell, Creighton, Estes, Garcia, Hall, Hancock, Hinojosa, Huffines, Huffman, Hughes, Colcourse, Lucio, Menendez, Miles, Nelson, Nichols, Perry, Rodriguez, Schwartner, Seliger, Taylor of Galveston, Taylor of Collin, Uresti, Watson, West, Whitmire, and Zaffarini. There being 20 ayes and 11 nays, the vote to table prevails. The following amendment, Secretary will read the amendment by Rodriguez. Floor amendment number two by Rodriguez, amend SJR number two as follows. Senator Rodriguez, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. President, uh, Senator Birdwell and members. Th this amendment uh, addresses the concern that I had about the scope of the resolution uh, and uh, it really, literally, this resolution implicates every single section of the Constitution. And even though it's about limiting federal power and jurisdiction, it's undefined. So it would essentially give the Convention of States a blank check, if you will, to amend or destroy more than 20 articles and sections of the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The, conven the convention would be authorized and convened by the U.S. Congress, which, which could set its own rules, regardless of what we think as states or state legislators. The Congress would set their own rules. And if those rules conflicted with this resolution, we would have no way of forcing that convention to honor our mandate here. So the last time, as I said, that a convention was called, for the limited purpose of making reforms was back in 1787. And those were the reforms to the Articles of Confederation that existed at the time. But rather than honoring that charge, the Constitutional Convention chose to throw out all of those old forms of government and write a completely new one, the one we have today. Now, admittedly, what they came up with, as I said earlier, is a remarkable document that has served us well for all these years. So there would be nothing to prevent this from happening again. I want to reiterate, the problem is that this time, with all due respect, we don't have a George Washington or a Jefferson or a Mason or a James Madison. It's just simply too dangerous, in my view, to call a convention that would potentially rewrite the U.S. Constitution. I think the blanket authorization that we are giving to amend the authority and the power of the federal government is just simply too broad. So members, this amendment would limit the scope of the call in this resolution to a balanced budget amendment and term limits for congressmen and senators. I believe this amendment protects our U.S. Constitution by preventing wholesale changes. So members, I ask for your support on this important amendment. And Mr. President, I move adoption. Mr. Birdwell, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. President. Members, for the same reasons I've, I've provided before, 
this amendment would substantively change the SJR to Texas only making the call for two of the three elements that other states have made. Therefore, I would move to table very respectfully of Senator Rodriguez's amendment. Rodriguez, you're recognized as close. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, members, I ask for you to support this amendment for all the reasons that I've stated. I don't want to belabor the point, but I think it's very important for us to be very, very cautious about what we're about to do today. So I ask for your support on the amendment. Members, the question is on a motion to table. Secretary will call the roll. Battencourt, Birdwell, Buckingham, Burton, Campbell, Creighton, Estes, Garcia, Hall, Hancock, Hinojosa, Huffines, Huffman, Hughes, Colcourse, Lucio, Menendez, Miles, Nelson, Nichols, Perry, Rodriguez, Schwartner, Seliger, Taylor, Galveston, Taylor, Collin, Uresti, Watson, West, Whitmer, and Zaffarini. There being 20 ayes, 11 nays, motion to table prevails. Go ahead and. Mr. Bergwell, I'm recognizing you on a motion on adoption of the resolution SJR 2. Mr. President, I move adoption of SJR 2. Secretary would call the roll. Betton, Court, Birdwell, Buckingham, Burton, Campbell, Creighton, Estes, Garcia, Hall, Hancock, Hinojosa, Huffines, Huffman, Hughes, Colcourse, Lucio, Menendez, Miles, Nelson, Nichols, Perry, Rodriguez, Schwartner, Seliger, Taylor, Galveston, Taylor, Collin, Uresti, Watson, West, Whitmer, and Zaffarini. There being 20 ayes and 11 nays, SJR 2 is passed. It's adopted. Congratulations, Senator. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, members. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.